Hey everybody and welcome back to the Off The Key Podcast where we talk about music of all varieties. Today I'm joined by my two regular co-hosts, Garrett. We end the game. And James. <laughs> Hello there. <laughs> you just said, insert it, insert it. I was like, I was like God, I've ran through like four things that I was going to do and I was like, just. <laughs> <laughs> it was too much for you. <laughs> All right, but uh, today we are talking about the debut studio album from legendary Memphis, Tennessee-based hip-hop collective 3-6 Mafia, Mystic Styles. I picked this album as a part of our spooky month for Off The Key podcast. It'll be one of four albums that we talk about that have a very Halloween horror-esque theme. If you didn't know... 3-6 Mafia is a Memphis-based hip-hop collective formed in 1991 by founding members Juicy J, DJ Paul, and Lord Infamous. The group's members were pivotal in the development of the Memphis rap and hip-hop scene, and their debut 1995 studio album, Mystic Styles, that we're talking about today, was a seminal cult classic that would go on to be regarded as one of the most influential albums in Southern hip-hop and in modern hip-hop. It was one of the definitive albums of the scene and fostered the development of horrorcore, crunk, and trap while influencing the sound of hip-hop for years to come. Every single lo-fi, SoundCloud, goth-ass, satanic, trap scene rapper has everything to owe to this group. When I was listening to it, I was like, man, I've heard all this stuff before, like all the time. I hear it everywhere now, and I'm like, wait, this came out in 95. This is where all this shit started. It was kind of like your reaction to Van Halen last week. Yeah, I was telling them off the podcast that I didn't realize that JCJ was this old. Like, I thought, you know, that he was, like, a little bit of an older guy, but he'd been on the scene in a while. I did not know he'd been on the scene this long. Like, him and DJ Paul were starting to put music together in, like, 89. They've been in the game a long time. Yeah, a lot of people know Juicy J from his modern stuff, you know, his solo stuff, that feature he had on Katy Perry's Dark Horse. He's been around to talk about the development of 3-6 Mafia. It's a very storied group. There are many moving parts. There are many pieces going on, but we'll go ahead and focus on the main core of the group, DJ Paul, Juicy J, Lord Infamous. Relatives DJ Paul and Lord Infamous formed rap duo The Serial Killers in 1989, and by 1991, DJ Paul was already making a name for himself in the Memphis scene by DJing local clubs. During this time, the Memphis hip-hop scene was still in its early stages you were getting hints of what would come with dj spanish fly and dj squeaky they were kind of hinting at the future but during this time lord infamous was developing his signature triplet flow style while juicy j was making a name for himself as well by also djing clubs making beats producing mixtapes passing out mixtapes too and eventually juicy j and dj paul would meet after juicy j sought out dj paul in 1991 for assistance in making better beats so they really, really messed with each other. Throughout the early 1990s, the three would release several notable works that would serve as the precursors to Three Six Mafia's later works, such as Come With Me to Hell, which would feature the original versions of Three Six Mafia songs, such as Tear to Club Up and Porno Movie. And DJ Paul released his self-titled DJ Paul Volume 12 mixtape. It was during this time that Lord Infamous rapped a line referring to his crew as the Triple Six Mafia, while recording music for the Backyard Posse. The group decided to adopt the name since it matched well with the dark imagery of their music. The South is known for fostering the development of many big 
rap genres and some genres and scenes that are still big today. I mean, trap originated from Atlanta and, and the early South scene, you know, with guys like T.I. and Young Jeezy and Gucci Mane. And then you've got, you know, the crunk wave that was big in the 2000s that started yeah, in the yeah. South. What? And even the shock rap and the horror core of the yeah. early 2000s and the early 2010s, guys like Eminem, Tyler the Creator, just to name a couple. But it all started with the South. So throughout the rest of the early 1990s, the group would add several members to their collective, including Koopsta Nika in 1994, along with Crunchy Black and Gakes Boo in 1995. All of this alongside the release of their debut mixtape under the Triple Six Mafia moniker, Smoked Out, Loked Out, would build into their debut, Mystic Styles. Released on May 30th, 1995, via their independent profit label imprint. So it was recorded at the production room in Memphis, Tennessee, and Mystic Styles was recorded on a budget of $4,500. And it was recorded to a 16-track reel-to-reel tape. I think it added to the gritty, grimy, like, that covers the sound of the album. The only issue I have with it is the vocals are a little too low. Yeah, that's probably one of the biggest, like, technical issues with the album, but you've got to give them credit here. They produced this album on, like, no budget. $4,500 to produce an album, even in 1995, is nothing. And, you know, there were many collaborators with 3-6 Mafia. You know, you're going to hear so many voices on this album. Not all of them are technically core members. Like Skinny Pimp. Yeah, like Skinny Pimp and LaChat. Uh, one of their biggest collaborators was Project Pat, but he actually did not appear on this album. Another Memphis rap legend. Another thing I got to mention with Memphis rap is that they probably have the, the title for having the worst album covers I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> I was about to say, God, I mean, I don't know. I think the Mystic Styles cover kind of goes Oh, no, hard. no, the Mystic Styles cover is good, but all the ones after that are so bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, Mystic Styles just reminds me of someone's, uh, like, you know, like a Wu-Tang or something. Like a, just, it's just, like, it's got that, like, just 90s. That horror that, movie. That, grit. you know, hard as hell, like, group pick, you know? But, yeah, the ones after that are just... It's like someone's like baby's first Photoshop. I mean, it's terrible. <laughs> no, you are you are right. One of the biggest characteristics of Memphis rap albums from the '90s is just terrible album covers. <laughs> you'll just you'll know by the look of the cover. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't even say Photoshop. It looks more like a is shit just kind of pasted onto it, like literally pasted on like MS Paint or something. Yeah, exactly, and just printed out at some Kinkos or some shit. No, I think I think the uh, Mystic Styles cover is iconic. I think at this point, we've given you enough background information. I mean, there is so much you could talk about with the history of this group and the history of Memphis rap, but we're going to keep it focused on Mystic Styles. Let's get into it. One of the biggest things you'll notice about Mystic Styles is its heavy focus on Satanism, the occult, violent, almost B-movie slasher-esque imagery, especially with the songwriting. Yeah, it's not like, oh, we're going to come over to your place and kill you it's like we're gonna you know we're gonna peel your fingernails off yeah we're gonna we're gonna own your soul it's in the name the first proper track break the law 95 one of the images that kind of stuck out in my head the core image a bunch of crew members who have danced with the devil driving out and causing havoc on halloween night one of my like very minor critiques is that i think the is weirdly placed i feel like it should be toward the end 
Yeah, it's definitely one of the more chill tracks, and it was actually their first radio yeah, track. Yeah, so it was the only one that made it to the radio. There's a reason for that. When they first released this album, they were having serious trouble getting Memphis Radio to play it. And it's understandable. It's pretty violent, very, very vulgar, provocative, you know, with Satanism, and the we, occult references. I mean, we just got out of the satanic panic of the 80s. Yeah, yeah. So. This is just my opinion. They haven't said this, but I think they placed Desuma early because they wanted to try and attract people with some of the less intense horrorcore theme songs that permeate most of this album definitely one of the more like you said relaxed chill leaning tracks kind of r&b influenced i mean it's just non-stop bangers back to back to back to back, oh, to yeah. back i guess you could argue about some of the pacing issues but the quality of the songs here is so high that it doesn't bother me just a little Very minor critique. baby criticism yeah, yeah. And, and i can see where you're coming from because i mean you get these like crazy turn up in the club at the trap house bangers you know like Live Bio Rep, which, by the way, is actually a uh, pretty gnarly diss track. They decided to make this track, and they actually started beefing with Ohio-based rap group Bone Thugs and Harmony, another great group, because they thought that they were copying a little bit of their flows. Bone Thugs had a track that was kind of uh, dark, grimy beats that were similar to some of the cuts that DJ Paul was making. They were young, they were hungry, and in DJ Paul's admission, they were just kind of being just stupid. They decided to beef with them and make the track. And it really only really lasted for two years because then they realized that they were idiots. Both were coming up in the underground scene at the same time, separate from each other. When they finally learned that none of them had really heard of each other until after they had released their first albums. So then after about two years, they they buried the hatchet. Now they're cool with each other. They've even gone on like tours. They've done some like features, you know, all kinds of stuff. And they're really chill with each other now. Nothing but positive things. And that really goes to show you that a lot of like beefs and music criticisms are stupid. I'd always draw back to this one, one of the stupidest beefs and like examples of someone claiming they copied their music. Jack White claiming that the Black Keys copied uh, the sound of the White Stripes when they started at the exact same time in like the alt rock underground like, like scene garage and rock came scene, up yeah. and like, I guarantee you, you guys probably did not hear of each other until you got big. How do you copy someone that great while starting at the same time? Oh man, you hear that underground stuff that only a hundred people listen to? Yeah, like let's copy that. Like no, no one's doing that. DJ Paul openly admitted we were just young and stupid. And why can't other people do that? Some people just won't let go. To be fair, I don't think there is a humble bone in Jack White's body. But still, Live My O Rep is a nasty fucking diss track. It honestly might be a top 10 diss track It is a complete contrast from the summer. I love the structure of this song so much. Everyone gets their chance to make a verse, talk about how they would torture Bone Thugs. Oh, what would you do, Lord Infamous? What would you do, Gangsta Boot? It really helps you learn who each person is that's very helpful especially early on in the album for me sometimes it's difficult to really parse out who is who this song tells you flat out who everyone is what they sound like and i really appreciate that to comment on that that's definitely to do with the vocal mixing i think that was probably the biggest issue with this album yeah you know the cheaply produced beats they do add a level of griminess and grittiness and i love that but it does hurt the vocal performances. Their mix kind of low, a little bit faded out, but it doesn't take away from the overall experience. Find that volume knob up just a little bit on the vo- Yeah, it doesn't ruin the album. It doesn't all. come yeah. up as much as I thought it would, but it still comes up. It's enough to take a little it's enough to be probably the main criticism of the album, I'd probably I'd say. Now, in the game, the opening verse with Gangsta Boo 
steals the show. Oh, yeah. And it makes me really want more of her. She only has four appearances on this album, and they are some of the best verses. That's my other big criticism of this album. There's not enough of her. Very, very surprising how much she showed up on this album. Don't get me wrong. The other members kill it. I mean, Lord Infamous, I think he's a monster. One thing that I do find interesting about Lord Infamous is he didn't pioneer triplet flows, but he made them his signature, and everyone copied that. (laughs) My two biggest criticisms of this album that we've already harped on is the vocals. And also, there are some times where the triplet flows get a little too treaded on, where they're very monotonous, and they don't really change. The flow of the cadence has really changed. It just kind of wears thin just a little bit. The delivery is also monotone. Like, you can have it through the whole song. It was just spiced up just a little bit. What are some examples? Sweet robbery. See, I enjoy sweet robbery. I don't know. I thought the beat on that was crazy. The Joker laugh sample. It made the song kind of drag for me. I thought the flows were fine. You know, everyone gives a great verse. A surprise on this album, a definite positive, is that when I looked at the runtime, I thought this album was going to drag. So I was not looking forward to that. But it goes nope. by so fast. If you, like, gunned to my head without looking at the runtime, I would have not guessed that it was over an hour. Yeah, it's about an hour and 15. When I first heard this album, like, a few years ago, that was actually one of the first things that made me hesitant. Because in my humble opinion, long records are almost never a good idea. When you're pushing over an hour, it's got to be something really good or just mind-blowing throughout the runtime. Or you have to have some amount of good variety of stuff to keep it from being monotonous. Uh, that is not a problem here at all. I totally agree with you 110%, Garrett. Almost every single track here is a banger. These beats are actually fairly dynamic for the decade they came out in. There is a lot of very interesting production on this between the synths and between the sound clips. At some points, I almost kind of wonder like if this album was like made today, like how good it would be. Because some of the, the drums are basic. I mean, you got to think about what they were working with at the time. Nothing. But, yeah, no, absolutely <laughs> yeah. nothing. No, it still sounds like they maximize what they could do. Yeah, they made the most of this stuff they had here. And that's one thing I really love about this album is how minimalistic it is, yet it still feels very full and dynamic. I'm so impressed with the production from DJ Paul and Juicy J. You know, my first introduction to Juicy J was like his solo material and the stuff he was doing in the 2010s. And I wasn't really that impressed. And I didn't realize until I went back and listened to this and Juicy J's early stuff that, man, he is a monster producer. They even structure the songs to overcome that lack of quality. These are just really good, just like car classics, because they have these like great hooks that even if you're not just like listening like real closely, you're not like following along, the hooks can carry and the beats can carry, you know, the song on their own. They stand out enough. That really just gives it a great foundation. Yeah, you're right. It's a cleverly structured album. They use the appeal of mainstream rap and they give it that grimy sinister twist you know you don't really have to dig in too deep to enjoy this album i really think you can just put it on and drive with one hand on the wheel i think one of the best songs period on this album and some of the best verses come from now i'm high part three feels like you've accidentally walked into like a cult dungeon you're like oh god where am i (laughs) like like a hip-hop cult dungeon (laughs) Yeah, with the crazy, like, chiming church bell beat. It sounds very B-movie horror-esque, and I really like the the character that that song has, and especially the rest of this album. That track in Long Night are, like, the most, like, foreboding tracks on the album. It's, it tells you, like, what they're all about. It's, they're trapping. 
and we'll kill some people, maybe sacrifice them. You don't know. But yeah, I think uh, one of my favorite verses actually comes from Lord Infamous on uh, Now I'm High Part 3. I'm going to read off a little bit. Spooky midnight has fallen on days, and the moon is lit up like much of the herb. The endos creating illusions. My thoughts are confusing. My vision is blurred. The aroma of the marijuana, the blackest smoke, changing into the black clouds. Deep down in the dungeons, my darkness of demonic secrets finally aroused. Your soul is horrified, flames falling from the sky, the three-six antichrist, bloody seven seas, the blackness in my eyes, I hear an angel cry. Bars. Like, it's so goth imagery. It's just such a good fusion of taking the pop rap and the gangster rap that we were already getting and infusing it with that, with that hardcore style. And it does go back and forth. It's just not, it's like, not 100% these yeah. horror themes. Yeah, it's a good balance. Pair to Club Up is That's a, a certified banger. <laughs> Another big image that popped into my head, and actually, I can't remember who said this, but somebody said it really well. Is this critic? He said, um, "This album sounds like Three Six Mafia is partying with the devil." We we do a little sacrifice as a treat. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I love the southern raw, grimy, gritty ass production, along with these goth serial killer horror B movie esque lyrics. It's just insane how influential this album is. You wouldn't have your Trippy Reds, you wouldn't have your Tyler Creators, your Lil Uzi Vert, even Lil Peep. You wouldn't have any of that if not for this album. It was like a wave of influence over Southern hip-hop. It fostered crunk, it fostered trap, it fostered horrorcore, it fostered triplet flows, although it's not the originator of triplet flows. Despite the low budget, they were actually very, very creative with a lot of the musical choices on here. I could hear some live instruments as well. Yeah, I know I yeah. heard some uh, live bass on multiple songs. Yeah, they, they have a, they actually credited a live bass player. I can't remember his name. Most of the bass lines on this album were live. They were resourceful. One of the examples I'd like to give about the creativity on here in terms of the production and the just the musical choices is on Sweet Robbery, that laughing sample. It's really subtle. That laughing sample is not on beat. If you counted it, it starts on the end of one and ends on the end of four. This off-kilter vibe of the song and the album. Mystic Styles is also a monster of a posse cut. What a way to close out the album. Well, of course, besides Porno Movie. (laughs) Was that intended to be on the album or was it like... What, Porno Movie? So Porno Movie, it was actually originally a Deserial Killers song. It was one of their early like 3-6 Mafia songs. Before they were three six mafia and they and they modified it for this one because Mystic Styles sounds like it's a closer. That is technically the end of the album. So on the re-release of Mystic Styles, they actually move Porno Movie up in the track list and make Mystic Styles the closer. So I think Porno Movie was just kind of a bonus. It's, it ended up being one of their biggest songs at the time. And I understand where you're coming from, Garrett. We were talking about Porno Movie. Yeah, I'm, I won't say I'm a hater. It's it probably. is incredibly vulgar. Well, it's not really the vulgarity. I mean, there is kind of an overarching air that we're just having fun. We don't take ourselves too seriously. You can't really take yourself too seriously because then it just sounds like really stupid and corny. But I feel like that kind of stepped like way, way a little too far in this song. I mean, it's it's not a bad song. It's just not really one of my favorites on the album. And in all its vulgarity and its ridiculous nature, how blatantly sexual it is, I can't get that chorus out of my head. Like you either really enjoy the meme of it or you just don't enjoy, I enjoy the meme. I enjoy of the it. meme. And I think I'm on the opposite side for once. There's not really a track on this album I just really dislike. All these are solid. 
I do not think there is a single bad track here. If I had to pick a least favorite, it would be All or Nothing. So, did you guys have any final thoughts before we get into our overall ratings? Busting big business. I'll go ahead and start. Sometimes genius will flash in very unexpected ways. Through everything, you look at the cover and you're like, okay. And then you look at the runtime, you're like, whoa, it's going to be way too long. Then you look at when it came out. And then you look at how much money was spent. And you're just, at every turn, it's you don't really have many expectations for it. And then you listen to it. And then it just blows your mind. The production is great. Some of my favorite on a 90s hip-hop classic. The rapping is solid throughout. Gangsta Boo is great. Juicy J and Lord Infamous drops bars. The lo-fi really works. I struggled with the rating, but I think I'm going to settle on an eight and a half. What what can I say that hasn't already been said? This album was extraordinarily influential to, I wouldn't even say just Southern rap, just rap and hip-hop in general. A lot of the stuff that these guys pioneered or popularized on this album, I just hear it everywhere nowadays. The raunchy, just disgusting, vulgar griminess of this album, it is the appeal. The verses, the creative production, despite the low budget, these guys really went all out. I think these guys did an incredible job. I only wish there was more of it. I'll give this album a 9.5 out of 10. Overall, Mystic Styles is a definitive album in Southern hip-hop canon and in rap canon. Countless modern rap acts owe their sound and influence to this album. Mystic Styles laid the groundwork for the underground rap scene in the 2010s and in the 2000s. The influence of this album cannot be overstated. The satanic goth aesthetic of many modern rap acts is partially indebted to this group. Not only is it an incredible album, but its gritty, murderous, nasty, and downright sinister sound make for one of the grimiest rap albums of all time. This is a classic, and if you're a fan of hip-hop in any capacity, you should give this a listen. And yeah, there are some minor production issues. There are some moments that are better than others. But overall, as a whole project, I think this is a masterpiece. And I'm going to give this a 10 out of 10. Big cap. Show the fuck up, Garrett. Big, big cap. Garrett, show the fuck up. Get your cap off, throw it out the window. No, I think the production issues literally take it down almost a whole point. I'm going to disagree with you here. I mean, it's not for everyone, but not every 10 out of 10 has to be for everyone. Now I'm going to hard disagree. I, <laughs> I, I disagree wholeheartedly with you, Garrett. Uh, oh, I disagree with you, too. As a, like, ten, like, <laughs> I, I, I firmly thought that we were all going to be like eight non-range. Hey, guys, we're going we're gonna to talk for a second. Forget these two. Don't listen to them. Uh, listen to me. This is a 10 out of 10. You should listen to it. <laughs> don't, don't worry, guys. I'll have Mac will be in the minority on the next review. Matt, cut this out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just playing. My time will come. (laughs) I'm I'm joking around, but really, in all seriousness, please listen to this album. I don't care who you are. If you don't like it, that's okay. But this is so important to the history of hip-hop. You should listen to this album. So, with that being said, any final thoughts, guys? All good. Alrighty. Well, this is Off the Key Podcast, and we're out of here. Thanks, guys.
Hey everybody, Mac here, and I just wanted to give a shout out to LaCrembo for the intro and outro music. Also, check out our link tree for where to follow us. We are on Instagram and Facebook and a variety of streaming platforms. And if you could give us a sub or a listen or even a follow, it'd be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. See you later.